All right, take your Bibles tonight. Go ahead and open to the book of Matthew. The book of Matthew, chapter 28. Matthew, chapter 28. And we'll begin reading in verses 18 through 20, Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. It says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you alway, even unto the end of the world. Amen. We've been going through this on uh, Sunday nights, um, kind of a series called Being a Strong Witness, uh, Strong Witness. And um, the desire, obviously, of going through this is understanding how important it is that we as a church and as individuals fulfill the great commission uh, that Christ has given us here in Matthew chapter 28. And we've been going through looking at some of these things. Obviously, we've looked at... um, the, the first word, really of verse number 19, to go, that means we have to take action. There has to be some type of action in this command. We're not just to sit. Uh, we are to go, and Christ has given us the authority to go. In verse number 18, he says, all power is given unto me uh, in heaven and earth. And he says, go, right? So we have the authority to go, and the reason to go is because people need to hear about Jesus Christ. Um, we need to go and tell them uh, about Christ. And that's where we see the next part where he says, go ye therefore and teach all nations. So we are to, we are to win them to Christ. Um, and that word teach at the beginning there in verse number 19, teaching, uh, teach all nations is the word to make disciples or to make followers or to, to be a pupil, right? And so we're telling people about Jesus Christ so that they have a choice. They make a decision whether to accept Jesus Christ or reject Jesus Christ. Um, now, again, I, I wish I could say that every person that I have shared the gospel with has chosen to accept Jesus Christ, uh, but many have not. Many have, uh, but many have chosen to reject Christ as well. Um, but again, our responsibility is simply to go and tell them, right? Um, that's what we're supposed to do. We can't save them, but we can go and teach them, and we have to be intentional about that. And, of course, for several weeks there, uh, we were challenging you to take one of the invites and uh, take those, give them out. And uh, many of you gave out these through, uh, for several weeks there, and I want to encourage you, keep doing that, right? Uh, whether it's the, the Easter invites. I know Revival's passed. Many of you were giving out Revival tracts and things. Um, but even continue doing that. That's, we have to be intentional uh, intentional about um, going and sharing the gospel with people. And uh, just kind of a, as a review here, let's see if we can remember this. Um, what is it that we want to share with someone when we're giving the gospel, right? I, I gave you four things that we try to share with someone, that we try to help somebody to learn uh, and understand when giving the gospel. What is the first one? What's the first one? Anybody remember? What's the first one? Just shout it out. Sin, right? First one is sin. They have to understand that they are a sinner, right? There's nobody that's good uh, just because you go to church or just because you've been baptized or something like that. No, we are all sinners, right? And then the second thing, because of sin, there is what? What's number two? Separation, Separation, right? Separation. Come on, everybody say it with me. Separation. Separation. So there's number one. Number two? Separation. Separation. Because of our sin, we are separated from God. Our sin separates us from God. And, uh, and of course, the penalty for sin is death, that eternal separation from God. And so because we're sinners, because we're separated, we need a Savior. Savior. That's number three. Say it, Savior. Savior. Very good. So number one is? Number two? Number three? We need a Savior. That's, of course, Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ uh, came to give his life for our sin, to save us from our sin. Uh, we talked about that this morning as well. So there's sin, there's separation, there's a Savior. And then I apologize, the fourth one does not start with an S, right? So what is number four, though? 
they have to choose to either accept or reject Jesus Christ, right? Uh, to accept, uh, they have to be willing to repent of their sins and put their faith in Jesus Christ alone, or they will choose to reject Jesus Christ. So those are the four things. Again, you could probably say, well, there's five or there's seven or there's 10 or whatever. But just to simplify it, to try to help us to remember what we're trying to share with someone when we share the gospel, we want them to, remember, to understand that they are they're a sinner. There is sin. They are then separated. separated from God. They need a savior. they need a savior. And then to be saved, they must accept Jesus Christ as their savior. Very good. I'm glad you remember those things. I hope that you'll keep those things uh, in the back of your mind there. And when you're sharing the gospel, you'll help. Maybe that'll help you to be able to do that. And then he says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. So we talked about baptizing and why. Uh, Jesus includes this in the Great Commission and how this is uh, one of the, the um, one of the really the, the doctrines or the teachings that we believe that uh, more Christians have probably been martyred over than any other doctrine than salvation. So many Christians have been uh, martyred and persecuted because of the doctrine of baptism. Right? Because we don't believe in sprinkling. We don't believe in infant baptism. Uh, we believe in immersion. And that immersion should only be after a person has accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. Because baptism doesn't save a person, right? Next week when we have the baptismal service, um, we will make sure it is very, very clear. These people are not being baptized to be saved, right? They're already making that public profession. They're saying, I have already accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. I'm just doing this in obedience to Christ and also uh, showing what Christ has done in his death, burial, and his resurrection for me. Okay? Um, and so there, he says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost. So in order for uh, the baptism be, to be right, I don't know if you'll remember these. I gave you three things about baptism. Let's see if you can remember these things. Number one, you have to have the right what? Method, very good, the right method. And, of course, that is immersion, right? It's not sprinkling, it's not holy water, it's immersion, right? And then, number two, you have to have the right authority. authority. Very good. Some of these young men on the front row got that. That's great. Authority. Uh, not anybody can just baptize. That, that command has been given to the church, and it is the church who decides who can baptize. Uh, just because, you know, hey, well, you know, my, my grandson or my uncle or my nephew or whatever, they got saved, and they want me to baptize them, so we're just going to go to my pool, and we're just going to baptize them. Well, you can do that, but you don't have the authority to do that, right? Christ has not given individuals the authority to baptize. He's given that to the church, okay? So you have to have the right method. You have to have the right authority. And then what was the third thing? You have to have the right candidate. candidate. Man, you guys have taken notes down here, haven't you? I'm impressed with these young men down here. They got, they got the notes. Uh, the right candidate. What does that mean? That means only a person who has accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior, right? Only a person who has already believed and accepted Christ as their Savior should be baptized. Again, baptism is not part of salvation. It doesn't complete salvation. It has nothing to do with salvation, right? It is simply an obedience to Christ's command and identifying us with Christ um, and the doctrine there, right? So baptize, he says, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. And so we kind of stopped there for a couple of weeks because then we had the youth service and then we had the revival coming up. But the Great Commission does not end there. Now, unfortunately, to many churches, that's where the Great Commission ends. To many churches, that's where the Great Commission ends. We will preach the gospel, we'll try to tell them about Jesus Christ, we'll see them saved, and we get them baptized, and then that's where it ends. Right, But that's not where the Great Commission ends. In fact, the next verse is probably the most difficult part of the Great Commission. Yes, it's, you know, it's difficult to be able to share the gospel with someone. Um, and uh, it's difficult many times to see that person put their faith in Christ. But, uh, but we, have, you know, we have the material. We know what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to show them that they're a sinner and help them to put their faith in Christ. But this last verse is really key in the Great Commission. In verse number 20, he says, Teaching them to observe all things, whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Now again, here's, here's that word teach again. We saw it back up in verse number 19. He says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations. In verse number 19, 
Um, it is it, the, the same word in English is used, but it's a different Greek word. Uh, the Greek word in verse number 19 means to make a disciple, right? You're, you're trying to win them. You're persuading them for something. You're trying to make a disciple. But here in verse number 20, again, because now if somebody has chosen to follow Jesus Christ, they've made that decision to be that disciple of Christ, right? So they've, they've, they've come to that persuasion or they've come to that understanding. Yes, Jesus is the only way. But now he says in verse 20, teaching them to observe all things, right? So this is a different teaching here. This isn't trying to still persuade them to follow Christ. They've already made that decision, right? So this word here in the Greek means to instruct, to, to teach. It's what, more like what we would think teaching is, right? If you would think of teaching, you think of maybe a classroom where uh, a teacher stands up and maybe she has a, a whiteboard or something and she's teaching a class or he's teaching a class. That's what we would think of teaching. And that's what this teaching is. It, is. it is instruction. It is teaching something, right? And Jesus tells us specifically what it is this instruction is. He tells us what it is that this teaching is. Watch what he says. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Right? So this teaching is not just, well, okay, we're just going to teach you whatever we want. No, no, no. Jesus says specifically this teaching is teaching what Jesus has commanded us, what Jesus has taught us. Okay? And this is what we would call discipleship. This is what we would call discipleship. Jesus is saying, okay, you've made the decision to follow me. Now I want you to be my disciple, right? Do you understand? And we, we really have to understand this. You can be a Christian and not be a disciple of Jesus Christ. You say, how's that possible? Doesn't, doesn't that mean the same thing? No, it doesn't. It doesn't, right? And we're going we're gonna to go through this tonight, and uh, I, I don't think we're going to get through all of this. Uh, but I want you to, to, to turn to John chapter 13. John chapter 13 with me. John chapter 13. John chapter 13, notice in verse number 35, watch what Jesus says. He says, by this shall all men know that ye are my, what's that next word? Disciples. Disciples, If ye have love one to another, right? So think about what Jesus says. Notice what Jesus did not say here, okay? Jesus did not say, by this shall all men know that you are Christians, He did not say, by this shall all men know that you are church members. He did not say, by this shall all men know that you are good people. He said, by this shall all men know that ye are what? My disciples. My disciples, disciples, right? Now that a person has made a choice to follow Jesus, they must be taught. They have to be taught the things of Jesus Christ. And this is again, this is what we call discipleship. Another term uh, that you could find in Scripture, uh, other than discipleship, another term would be also referred to this as sanctification. Right? Sanctification. It means we're we're growing in Christ. We're being sanctified. Uh, we're we're working to become more and more like Jesus Christ, having to grow in Christ. And so he says, "By this shall all men know that you are my disciples." Well, what is the this? What is this? What is it? Love. But what kind? What does he say? Love one toward another, right? He said, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples, if you have love one to another. And he, he kind of speaks about it back up in verse number 34. A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another, as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. So think about this, right? Now we have to understand... We, we know that we are to love everybody, right? The Bible tells us we are to, we are to love uh, the lost people. We are to love saved people. We're to love everyone. But when he says we are to love one another, who is this one another referring to? Who's it referring to? It's referring to Christians. 
This is referring to those who have made the decision to follow Jesus Christ, right? Again, if you think about it, where we're at here in this passage of Scripture, Jesus is with just the disciples. He's just with those 12, right? He's there with them. This is part of the Last Supper. He's talking about his betrayal, right? Um, actually, this is, uh, he's really only with 11 because back up in verse number 27 is when uh, Judas is going to betray him and Judas leaves. And so uh, now he's just with the 11 and he's talking to them. He says, little children, verse 33, yet a little while I'm with you. You shall seek me. And as I said unto the Jews, whither I go, you cannot come. So now I say unto you, right? So he's telling them, hey, you are the ones who have made that decision to follow me. You're the ones that have made that decision to believe in me. And now I'm telling you, this is how, if you want people to know that you are my disciples, right? If you want people to know that you're my disciples, they will know that by your love one to another. By your love one to another. Um, it's, it's sad to see in churches that those who are supposed to be part of the same family can't get along. Those who are members of the same church, right? Um, have you ever wondered? Have you ever wondered what what is it or what causes a church split? Does love cause a church split? <laughs> love isn't going to cause a church split, right? And yet, how many churches do you have, do you hear of that split and have conflict and things like this in them? Why? What's happened? Well, they're not being disciples of Jesus Christ. Now, please understand, I'm not saying they're not Christians. I'm not saying they've never accepted Christ as their Savior, but they're not being disciples of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus said, by this, what? That you love one another, shall all men know that ye are my disciples. Do you understand that the world cannot get along with each other? I mean, that's, that's new to you tonight. The world just cannot get along, right? That's new to you. Nobody in here. That's not new to you. Okay. So here's the thing. This is, this is what Jesus is saying. Look, that's expected of in the world. Everybody expects that, right? That's why you have different, uh, different uh, um, uh, political parties. You have, you know, different, you know, people that have their different preferences of this and that. I mean, the world can't even get along, right? And so what Jesus is saying is, look... The world can't get along. So what I want them to do is I want them to be able to see something different in you. And so here's how they're going to be able to see that you truly are my disciples if you have love one to another. Wouldn't it, what, what kind of testimony, right, do you think a church could have in a community if ev- everything they always hear about that church, man, those people love each other there. The irony of that, right? I mean, those people at that church, they actually care about each other. Those people at that church, they, they really love each other. They love being around each other. They love fellowshipping. I mean, they, they just love each other. What is wrong with them? Well, they're different because they're disciples of Jesus Christ. And that's what he's saying. By this shall all men know. So what is a, when Jesus says, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples. He uses this word disciples. And again, sometimes we can just say a disciple is someone who is following someone, right? A disciple is a follower. But I think there's more to it. Because when Jesus says he wants us to be his disciples, right? Several times throughout scripture, Jesus says, if you want to be my disciple, you have to do something, right? If you want to be my disciple, he says, Any, anybody that comes after me and doesn't hate his father and his mother and his brother and his sister and his wife and his children and his own life also cannot be my disciple, right? He says, if you want to be my disciple, you have to be willing to take up your cross daily and follow me. So many times he uses this term to be a disciple of Christ, a disciple of Christ, a disciple of Christ, so what does it truly mean to be a disciple of Christ? Again, it's, it's not just being a Christian. It's not just saying, well, hey, I choose to follow Jesus Christ. I'm going to accept him as my savior. Well, that's wonderful. That's the first step. But now he says, will you be my disciple? So what is a disciple? 
I believe, and I'm going to give you a definition here, and I hope that you'll write it down. I hope you remember it. But a disciple of Jesus Christ is one who follows. Now listen, it's one who follows Jesus Christ, of course, with the intent to learn and learns with the intent to obey. You see, that is a disciple of Jesus Christ. Unfortunately, many Christians are following to learn, but they're not intending to obey. And that's really what a lot of our churches are filled with today. Oh, we want to learn. Yeah, we want to learn the Bible stories, and we want to learn, you know, we want to learn, oh, prophecy. We want to learn prophecy, and oh, we want to learn about this book, and oh, yeah, we want to study this, and and we want to study that. But when are we going to actually apply it and obey it? You see, what good does it do to learn all of these things that he tells us to if we're never going to obey? So discipleship is more than just learning. It is following Jesus with the intent to learn. Yes, that is true. I want to learn about Christ with the intent. I'm learning with the intent to obey him, to do what he says. Again, think about what he said back in Matthew chapter 28, right? What did he say? Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. What do you, what do you think that word observe means? To do. He says, I'm, you're teaching, so there's learning. Yes, you're going to learn. There's going to be teaching. But the whole purpose of learning, the whole purpose of teaching is the intent to obey, to observe. He says, teaching them to observe all these things whatsoever I have commanded you. We're to teach what Jesus taught. Not just so that we can know what he taught, but to do. That word observe is very important. It means to obey and do. We're teaching them so that they will do what Jesus taught. Again, what does Jesus say back in John 13, 15? By this, what? Love. By love one another. Okay. So here again. All right, so Jesus says, if I want to be a disciple, he says, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another, right? So if, if nothing else, if we don't get anything else out of, out of the, the message tonight, right? The one thing that every one of us as Christians ought to go away with tonight is saying, Jesus Christ wants me to be a disciple, and the way that I prove that I'm his disciple is by showing love one to another. That means, right? Look at the person to your left. Your left, not my left. Look at the person to your left. Guess what? You're supposed to love them. Look at the person to your right. Guess what that means? You're supposed to love them. Look at the person in front of you. Not me, the person sitting in front of you. That means you're supposed to look at the person behind you. Look at the person behind you. That means you're supposed to love them. Some of you are like, Pastor, can I change my membership now? <laughs> you understand? He says... We are to love one another. Now, think with me about this, right? If, if we can't love the people that are part of our church, who we know and who know us, right? If we can't love them, how in the world are we going to be able to love people that don't know Jesus Christ? How are we going to be able to show that love to them if we can't even love people who are part of our own family? It's going to be kind of hard to do. This is why he says, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples, if you have love one to another. In other words, that it's going to be evident. It's going to be done. That love is going to be seen by showing love one to another, right? So think about this. Jesus says, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. So by what? Is it showing love one to another? Is that how people know we're his disciples? By showing love one to another? Is that, is that what he says? By showing love one to another, that's how people know that we're his disciples. Is that right? It's not a trick question. What does John 13, 35 say? By this shall all men know that you're you my disciples if you have love one to another. Right? So is it by showing love one to another that people know that we are his disciples? 
No. It's not by showing love. What is it by? Obedience. You see, love is just one of the things we're supposed to obey. You see, we can get caught up on certain things and forget what the main thing really is. Oh, yes. Is, is love one of the ways that people are able to know that we are his disciples? Yes. But why am I loving one another? Because he said to. He told me to. And if I am going to learn, if I'm going to follow with the intent to learn and learn with the intent to obey, it's not, I'm not just doing it to show love to people so they can say, oh, you're a disciple. No, I'm doing it because I want to be obedient to Jesus Christ. I want to obey what Jesus Christ has said. And through that obedience, whether that is loving one another, whether that is um, taking up my cross and bearing it, whether that is putting Christ before anything else, whatever it is, that is how people know we are a disciple of Christ. Through our obedience into what he has told us. It's through our obedience. Because here's the thing, right? Those of you that have kids, I think you know what I'm talking about. Once you go clean up the living room, you tell your kids. Now, there's two ways that they can obey. There, I did it. And they cleaned up the living room. Well, I'm going to love you, but just because. <laughs> or when they're told to do something, go clean up the living room, they can do it with the right attitude, the right heart, and it shows their willingness, their submissiveness to the parents. When Jesus says we are to observe, right? It's teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. It's not that we just do them just to be able to say, well, I did it. I didn't want to show love to that person, but I did it anyway. Really? I'd really hate to see what kind of love that was. Well, I, you know, I... I blessed them with a gift card. I didn't want to, but because I wanted to be, show, be loving, I went out and I bought him a gift card. My kids aren't going to eat for the next week, but I bought him a gift card and I gave it to him and I said, God bless you, brother. I love you. Man, I would hate to be the person on the receiving end of that. Right? You'd be like, I don't think I want this. You see, it's not just about what we do. It's how we do it. It's not just saying, well, hey, I read my Bible today. Well, great. Did you get anything out of it? I came to church today and I sang the songs and I listened to the preacher and I didn't even fall asleep. I mean, I was there today. Why? Why, with, that, with that kind of an attitude, maybe you should have just stayed in bed. Why? why? You see, it's not just about doing things, right? There has to be the right heart in it. This is what Jesus is saying. If, if you're going to obey, you, you want people to know who it is that you're following, that you're a disciple of Jesus Christ. Yes, there is the, there is the loving one another, and, and, but yet there's so much more that, as we obey and as we do it with the right heart, it's able to show those around us that we truly are disciples of Jesus Christ. Think about, think about this. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Verse 
First Corinthians chapter one. Of course, if you if you've been part of our church for a while, you know um, uh, we we teach discipleship, and even before somebody can become a member of our church, um, we have them go through what we call our discipleship one hundred and one. It's eight lessons that we have people to go through, and um, and people can say, well, you know, hey, that's you know that's that's not scriptural. You can't, you know, the only re- scriptural requirements to church membership is, you know, salvation and, and baptism. So, you know, you're requiring people to do something that's not found in scripture. Well, I think we just saw in Matthew 28, that we are to teach them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you, right? And one of the things that I, I really believe, and I think if you, you look around in our society today in churches, I think that you'll find this, that church membership is just not a serious thing anymore. It's not serious anymore, right? Um, you know, somebody will come to a church, and, and I've had them tell me this. You know, they've been here for like two weeks. Oh, pastor, I want to join the church. I'm like, you know, I, I appreciate that. You know, I appreciate your vote of confidence, but you don't know us. And we don't know you. And, and it's not like we're, we're trying to be you know, selective and say, oh, we only want certain people. No, no, no. It's not that at all. But yet, in a sense, it is. Because we want to make sure that people know who we are and what we believe and what we stand for, right? And watch what he says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Notice what he says in, in verse number 10. Now, I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing. And that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Now, think about what he's saying here, right? He's writing to the church of Corinth and he says, hey, I'm, I'm beseeching you, brethren. He's talking to the church, right? And, and how sad that he's talking to a church that's already in existence and he's having to say, hey, th- there's a problem here. You're not of the same mind, you're not together. You, there, there's, there's some issues here. There's some division here, right? Obviously, love is not being shown, right? Obviously, there were some doctrinal issues that they weren't on the same page with. And so Paul is having to write and correct this church that is having these issues. And so he says, brethren, I'm, I'm beseeching you, I'm begging you, that ye all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and the same judgment. You know what he's saying? He's like, as a church, you know what? We ought to know, everybody that joins First Baptist Church ought to know where we stand doctrinally. And that's one of the reasons why we have people go through our discipleship course, right? Because it doesn't matter... It doesn't matter if somebody's coming from another Baptist church or coming from the church that's not a Baptist church, right? We have everybody go through it. Why? Because when somebody, when somebody is coming to join First Baptist Church, we want to make sure that everybody understands, hey, they are in agreement with what we believe and what we teach. They, they've gone through the discipleship. They know what, the, 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 what we believe about certain things. And, and they are saying, hey, we are in agreement with your doctrine. We're in agreement with what's going on here and, and the things of the church. And man, we just want to be a part of this church, right? Because let's be honest, not everybody believes the same thing that we believe. Being honest, right? Not everybody believes the same thing that we believe. And that's okay. If, if they say, hey, you know what? I just don't believe that. That's fine. We're not, we're not trying to force it down people's throats. But we do want to make sure that as a church, as a church body, we all have the same foundation that we're going to build on. We want to make sure that every one of us, man, when somebody comes and, and they join the church, we want to know, hey, you know what? We know that person, they're, they're, they're going to be believing that salvation is by grace through faith. They're going to believe that salvation is eternal. You cannot lose their salvation. They understand what the purpose of the church is. They understand what it is to have that personal time with God. There are certain foundational doctrines that we teach that we want to make sure that before anybody joins the church, they understand who we are, what we believe, so that we can, notice, speak the same thing and to be perfectly joined together in the same mind. 
man, we want to make sure as much as possible. And I understand, I understand it's impossible to have a perfect church. You can't have a perfect church. You know why? Look in the mirror, right? Me, you, all of us. We are not perfect, so therefore we cannot have a perfect church, right? But we can be in unity. We can speak the same thing. We can hold to the same doctrine. And this is what Paul is saying. And by the way, that's why it's so important that we have discipleship. That's why it's important that it, it, look, I've said this before. I'll say it again. I'll say it five years from now, 10 years from now, whatever. As long as I'm the pastor, we're not about trying to be the biggest church in Eaton, Preble County. That's not what we're about. We're not trying to see, oh man, we've got 200 members. Oh we're, man, we get to that 250 mark. Oh, we got 250. I, I, honestly, somebody asked me, they said, how many members do you have? I, I don't know. I don't know how many members we have, right? I mean, I'm glad that people are joining the church, and I'm glad that people are members, but I don't know how many members we have. It's not that important to me. I don't know what the number is. It's not, it's not important to me. What is important to me, though, is are people being taught right doctrine? Are people having that foundation as they come into the church, right? And look, hey, somebody can come from, a, uh, from another Baptist church, and they believe the same thing, and you say, well, then why would you go? Because we just want to make sure we're all on the same, we're all on the same page. We're all on the same page, right? Hey, if they're coming from another Baptist church, hey, that's just going to be a refresher to them. And maybe that'll be something as they go through it, they'll be like, hey, this is really good. We want to be able to teach this to others as well. And they can be able to teach it to others. And people that are coming from a church that doesn't believe the same way, man, they're going to be able to get some questions answered as to what the Bible is really teaching, what we believe, right? And this, again, this is why he says, yes, they've made that decision to follow Christ, but then he says, now teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you, right? We're taking the word of God. We're taking what God has said, and then we're teaching it, okay? Now, again, there is a difference between preaching and teaching, okay? There's a difference there. Um, I I remember asking uh, a missionary one time, I said, you know, how are you going to disciple people? What is, what is your discipleship program? Because again, uh, both as a missionary and as a pastor, uh, we, we believe very strongly in discipleship. And I asked him, what is your discipleship program? How are you going to disciple people? And this was his answer. I'm going to preach to them on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. Well, I'm glad you're going to preach, but that's not discipleship. I'm glad you're going to preach, but when are you going to teach them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you? He had, he had no plan for discipleship. He had no plan to disciple people, right? No idea about it. I'm just going to preach it to him. Well, preaching is important. There's no doubt about that. But I'm sure the disciples were very grateful that Jesus was willing to take them aside and teach them all those things that they needed to know. Oh, there was time when Jesus preached. There's no doubt about that. You can look at the messages that Jesus preached, but you can also look at all the times that Jesus took the disciples aside, just them, and said, now, fellas, this isn't right. You're arguing about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom, and guys, you know that's not right. That's prideful. If if you want to know who's the greatest, if you're willing to humble yourself as a child, right? What was he doing? He wasn't preaching at them. He was teaching them. He was teaching them. And there needs to be that time of teaching. That's what he says, teaching them to observe all things. And again, this is why we go through the discipleship with somebody before they join the church. And that way, now again, we're not saying that they are, you know, anybody that joins the church that goes through our discipleship program, they are just, man, they are spiritual giants and they're ready to go out and pastor a church. And all. It's not that, not, no, that's not it at all. It's just they have a good foundation in what we believe as a church now. They they're going to know who we are, what we stand for, right? Look over with me in Ephesians chapter 4. We'll look at one more verse here, and, um, and we'll stop for the night because, again, there's, just, there's more I want to get to. Actually, go to Galatians. Ephesians is going to take us a little bit to get through that. Go to the book of Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4, notice what he says in verse number 19. 
Paul's in writing to the churches of Galatia, right? These churches. My little children, of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. Think about what he's saying here. Now, remember, at the beginning, there was some, some doctrinal issues, right? Um, they had been saved by grace through faith, and then somebody came along and tried to tell them there was another gospel, right? There was a different gospel than just by grace through faith. And Paul addresses that, and he says, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, right? Well, what's he say? But there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. So he says there are going to be those that are going to try to pervert the gospel of Christ. There are going to be those that say, well, yes, salvation by grace through faith in Christ is good, but you really need to do this also. You know, yes, it's okay to believe in Jesus Christ, but if you're not baptized as well. Or, yes, it's good to believe in Jesus Christ, but if you don't keep the Ten Commandments. It's good to believe in Jesus Christ, but... Now, wait a minute. What does he say here? He says, they are perverting the gospel of Christ. They're perverting the gospel of Christ. And this is what he says. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. He said, look, there's only one gospel, and that is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Salvation is by Jesus Christ and him alone, nothing else. And anyone that tries to teach something other than that, they are perverting the gospel of Christ. Okay? So he's writing to these churches of Galatia, right? And as he continues on here, he says in verse, chapter 4, verse 19, my little children of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. What is he saying? He is, he is trying to help these Christians who have been led astray by this other gospel that this somebody came in and tried to start teaching. He's trying to bring them back, and he's trying to help them to grow in Christ. And he is, he is trying to see the life of Christ being established in them. He says, I am travailing in birth again until Christ be formed in you, right? He's not saying that you need to be saved again. Again, he's writing to believers. He's not saying you need to be saved again, but he's saying, I'm, I'm going to have some work to do now. Guess what work this is that he's going to have to do? Teaching. It's teaching them, right? I'm travailing in birth again. I'm, I'm, try, I'm working again until Christ be formed in you. He's like, I'm, I'm going to come back and we're going to teach these doctrines again. And, and I'm going to write to you about these things. And we're going to teach these things to you until Christ be formed in you. Notice, Paul doesn't say, I'm going to teach you these things until you start being more like me. No, that wasn't what Paul's desire was. Paul didn't say, I want you to be more like me. He said, I want you to be more like Christ. I want you to be more like Jesus Christ. I want to I help you so that Christ can be formed in you. So that, yes, as Christ is living in you, now Christ is going to be able to not just live in you, but live through you. That's what he says in Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave He's saying Christ needs to be lived through you, not just in you. And as a Christian, that's many times, yeah, we're glad we're saved, and that's it. No, Paul says, Christ needs to be lived through you, right? That until Christ be formed in you, establishing Christ, the life of Christ being established in someone's life. That's what discipleship is about. We're trying to help that person to, to recognize there are things that they need to do and follow Christ in their life so that they can be more like Jesus Christ. We're going to look uh, next week in, uh, in Ephesians and a couple other passages to, to see how this works, right? Um, because it's, it's so important that we understand. And, and by the way, let me just say this, and, and we'll look more into this next week as well. But here's the thing we have to understand. Discipleship never ends. You understand that? Discipleship never ends ends. It doesn't matter how many years you've been saved. There is still something more that we need to be learning. And you can say, well, I've, I think I've learned it all. Well, then are you doing it? 
Because remember, a disciple is one who follows with the intent to learn and learns with the intent to obey. Do we have that? Can we put that back up on the screen again? That, that saying there? Can we put that back up there? There we go. Let's say this together. Ready? A disciple of Jesus Christ is one who follows with the intent to learn and learns with the intent to obey. If it's just about learning, oh, I've learned those things. Well, are you obeying them? Are you doing it with the right heart? Because if it's not with the right heart, you know, we talked about that. Your, your kids can clean up the room, but they didn't really obey. They did what you said, but they didn't really obey. The heart really shows whether there's obedience or not. Right? And God sees our heart. And so... In discipleship, and this is why this is so important, this is why it's in the Great Commission. Yes, we want to see people get saved. And yes, we want to see them follow the Lord and believers' baptism and be obedient to Christ. But we don't want to just leave them as baby Christians. We want to see them to grow. We want to help them to grow in Christ, right? That's why if you look at, if you look at all the things that we do here in the church, the main purpose behind everything that we do here at the church is to help people to grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what we want. We want to try to keep helping people to grow. You say, Pastor, are you growing? Absolutely. I, 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 just because I disciple many people and I've discipled people on different continents, thing doesn't mean that I think I have come to a level where I am beyond discipleship. Oh, no. I am always trying to learn more things. I, I, I listen to Brother Randy. I'm like, man, there's so much more I need to learn. I listen to other preachers like, man, I, I need to learn to do that better, and I need to, to study more. And I, need to, man, I am constantly trying to learn. Discipleship doesn't end because the, the measure that we're trying to meet is who? It's Jesus Christ. I'm not trying, the, the measure that I'm trying to meet is not my dad or it's not Brother Randy or it's not one of these other maybe great preachers that I admire or anything. That's not the measure that I'm trying to meet. The measure that I am supposed to be meeting to is Jesus Christ. And guess what? He's perfect. And I am not. You know what that means? It means I'm always going to have to be learning more. I'm always going to have to be growing more. I'm always going to have to be obeying more with the right heart, right? Every one of us, man, we ought to be wanting to grow. We ought to want to be discipled and grow and learn with the intent to obey. That's what discipleship is, right? We'll talk more about it next week as well. But understand how important this is. This is part of the Great Commission. We are to go, we're to win them, we're to baptize them, but then he says we need to disciple them, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. It's such an important aspect, and unfortunately, as I said before, so many churches leave it out. There's no discipleship, there's no teaching. They're glad to see people saved and praise God for that. They're glad to see them get baptized and Follow the Lord and believers' baptism and praise God for that. But then they're just kind of left on their own to kind of flounder around. And that's not what we want. We don't want Christians to flounder. We want to be able to help them to grow in Christ and understand that there's a purpose that God has for their life. Amen? Let's pray together tonight. Father, we thank you for your word. And uh, Lord, un- help us to understand, Lord, how important this, this discipleship is. Lord, it was so important that you were willing to spend three and a half years with these men, teaching them, training them, correcting them, answering questions. Lord, we want to be able to grow spiritually. Lord, more than anything, Lord, this church... We want this to be a spiritually mature church. Not concerned about the numbers. Not concerned about the size. But Lord, to be spiritually mature. And to help people to grow in their spiritual walk with you. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to recognize in our lives individually here tonight. Lord, every single one of us.
need to grow in discipleship. Every one of us need to grow in Christ until Christ be formed in us. Lord, I pray you'd help us to recognize and realize none of us have arrived. None of us have made it where we need to be. Lord, help us tonight to realize there's some here, Lord, that they could be discipling others. They could be taking others and discipling them and helping them to grow in their walk with you. It's not just about our own walk. Yes, we need to make sure that we're growing, but Lord, we could be helping others to grow in their walk with you as well. And so, Father, I pray you'd help us in this. Lord, that we would be able to, as a church, fulfill the Great Commission to reach people with the gospel, to teach them, to help, help them to see, to, to follow the Lord in believers' baptism, and then to disciple them in all these things that you've commanded. Lord, may we follow you with the intent to learn, but may we learn with the intent to obey. Lord, would you help us with this? I wonder tonight, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I'm not going to ask you to stand. Just right there in your seat tonight. For just a moment, would you just say, Lord, where am I? Where am I in this? Who, who could I be discipling? Who could I be encouraging to grow in their walk with you? Lord, how can I grow more in my walk with you? Because every one of us needs to grow more. And every one of us needs to help somebody else to grow. But friend, if we're not willing to be obedient to Jesus Christ, it's going to be very hard to be the disciple that he wants us to be. Are you willing to obey him? Not just follow when it suits you. Not just learn so that you can have the head knowledge. But to truly obey. And be obedient to what he has for us. I hope tonight that you'll say, Lord, would you help me to grow? Lord, would you help me to be obedient in what I learn? so that I can truly be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that you'd help us in these areas. Recognize how important this is. Lord, not just to follow you, not just to learn these things, but to truly be obedient to you. And Lord, to help others to grow in their walk with you as well. Help us with this, Lord. And Lord, may you receive the glory through it all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.